We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I am your host. Back from the coast, back in uh, rainy Clovis, California today. So I was a little surprised by that, but uh, love the rain. So here we are. Uh, joining me, as always, are my guys Tyler and Alex. Alex, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing tonight? Uh, doing good. Ready to talk about interior offensive linemen and Troy Reader. Yeah, this is this is a great Alex episode, a, an underwhelming, scrappy white linebacker and interior offensive lineman. So I uh, got a jam-packed show for sure tonight. Uh, Tyler's here as well, man. Tyler, how you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for everyone who watched the video I did with Kyle on those comp- uh, compensatory picks, not composite rankings. That was awesome. I really appreciate all your feedback. It was great. I had fun watching this interior offensive line class. It's the most players I've graded outside of, I think, wide receivers. So it, it was fun watching some of these guys. Yeah, you know, I think you you lump centers and guards in one position group, and, yeah. and suddenly there's you know 25 players worth grading. So um, it's a fun group, and we'll dive into that one as well. And uh, yeah, if you missed uh, Tyler's video with Kyle breaking down compensatory picks, I think it's super interesting. You know, we can talk about you know kind of projecting the compensatory picks that the Chargers could earn next year. Uh, you know, at some point, <laughs> yeah, not very many, uh, but we you know we can cover that for sure. Um, that being said, we do have a, a bit of news to get to, obviously, and that is the Chargers' decision to sign Troy Reader. Um, you know, he is obviously the former Rams linebacker that started uh, a few games for Brandon Staley, became really a full-time starter for the Rams this past year while the Rams were dealing with a bunch of injuries. So 
Uh, Tyler, that being said, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts here as the, we look forward to uh, Troy Reader, you know, replacing Kaiser White? Yeah, I mean, as, as I posted, and, it's, and Alex has a video coming out tomorrow, and I did watch it. It all comes down to the what, when, where, why, how of all of this, because I don't know what, what do we expect here? Is this a, you know, banks coming in and taking over for Broughton situation where we're just going to kind of go with the guy that we know, or is he a depth option? Well, I, I do think he is going to be a depth option. I think the Chargers taking a guy with a, you know, pretty solid RAS score, kind of giving their whole linebacker room that sort of great RAS score is fine. Um, I didn't watch Troy Reader. But I watched Micah Kaiser back on just watching some stuff last year when Staley was hired. And he was used quite a bit to try to free up other players. And I think that Staley showed in the preseason and, and sometimes throughout the season, but guys were in and out of the lineup due to injuries, that he wants to use these guys to attack the line of scrimmage, to cause you know chaos, get after the quarterback. And I think that's something that Reader does and has done and did do for the Rams and did with Brandon Staley. So that's great. My only concern is does this mean they're keeping five linebackers again? And if so, I'm not for that because I believe for the most part, they kept four edge rushers last season, you know, only five interior defensive linemen, only five wide receivers and five linebackers in a system where you don't need more than two linebackers on the field, really, or off ball linebackers that is. And so I really hope this doesn't mean they're keeping five, but then who are you not keeping? So, you know, I think he looks like he played, you know, both Mike and will, they do need something right now. I think Amen is the starting Mike, and so it's good to have some depth there. But I don't know if I want five linebackers on this roster. Yeah, um, I think my question is just about role entirely because uh, it's good to have scheme familiarity, and he knows Brandon Staley's defense, and so that is the, the good part of the signing. Um, bad part of the signing is he wasn't very good this year, <laughs> um, and so. That is what it comes down to. Look, you're giving him a one-year, practically speaking, minimum deal. So I, it's about how many snaps he's going to play for me. If you're telling me he's going to be a guy that's going to play 300, 400 snaps, I'm fine with it, um, I guess. If he's going to be a guy that's where he was with the Rams this year, which is pushing 600, 700, 800, um, that gets in a murkier territory. And of course, that's all affected by injuries and, and the health of the unit as a whole. Um, but pass coverage... Not very good. Uh, and Kyle Shanahan can attest to that. Uh, <laughs> the <laughs> NFC Championship game when they got Reader leaning. Um, and I think the one thing he is good at is pass rush. I mean, that is pretty impressive from him. And just the functional strength he has when he's going up against uh, an offensive lineman, particularly left tackles and right tackles. I actually think he's kind of like a little bit mm, Nick Vigili in that regard where he can just kind of, you know, make do with the offensive line and, um, you know, do what he does best in terms of being a consistent pass rusher. While all of his other grades went down last year, that <laughs> this was the one that kept stable as a pass rusher. So he's, he's good at what he's good at. Um, but, yeah, no, it's just about what the role is for him. And I think the question mark is really the other guys more so than Reader, because I think Reader will have his set amount of snaps but it's really, it's like, okay, do they view Tranquil as more of a special teams player or do they view him as linebacker too? Uh, we don't really know the answer to that question. Do they really believe in the amen hype? I don't know, right? All of their actions kind of going forward in training camp will let us know how they feel about this group. But if Troy Reader is just here to be depth, I'm fine with it. If he's not, this linebacker room could get ugly pretty fast. Yeah, you know, Troy Reader, I think, was one of the worst linebackers in 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 terms of starting linebackers, he was one of the worst in the league last year. So 
I, I, I think if he's depth, that's fine. Whatever. Um, I, I just kind of question the process here. Like we have consistently throughout uh, in terms of the linebacker group. And I think like, I, I know full well, obviously that Brandon Staley does not value linebackers all that well. Obviously this is just more evidence of that. And when you, probably could have ended up paying Kaiser White like half a million more to to be on this team and be a starter instead of signing Troy Reader. So it's just it's confusing and he certainly could just be, you know, competition and veteran depth and you know insurance policies. But like I, I just am frustrated with this linebacker process in general because if the goal is to upgrade the room and that's why you're not signing Kaiser White back, then I get that. If your goal is to provide more depth because you're worried about Eamon Ogbogamiga potentially not being worth it, Kenneth Murray's emergence, then why would you not just bring Kaiser White back? Like it's just is frustrating to me when Kaiser could have solved so many of the perceived issues among this group. And now you you know, Kaiser White's gone, Kenneth Murray has shoulder surgery, we don't or ankle surgery, excuse me. We don't know how long that's going to be. So we're just going to go rush and sign Troy Reader. Like, that's really what it feels like to me, That is that this was just a panic insurance policy signing, you know, with, you know, uncertainty around the draft and things like that. So I'm just frustrated by the process. And, like, am I, like, going to be, you know, ranting about firing Tom Telesco because he signed Troy Reader? Like, no, obviously not. But it's just, like, in terms of being nitpicking, like, this is what that is, man. Like, I, I just am being a little too critical of this and I get that, but it's just frustrating, man. When Kaiser White signed for <laughs> half a million more, it's just annoying. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to assume they thought White would have signed for more. You know, I, I guess... We all thought that. Yeah, so certainly, it, but... certainly. And, and I'm sure he, you know, he, he's going to get up to 5 million, which is, I'm sure, more than what Re- Reader is going to get. You know, to me... You let Kaiser White go, not that I like this, because you want your other guys to develop and start. You know, and if White is there, the other guys aren't developing and starting. I hate it, but whatever. That's their region thing, not mine. You know, you bring on Reader, and he's not starting. That's, that's what I'm going to guess. And so there's no conflict there. Um, I will say it is concerning, if we're just talking about linebacker rooms and the defense and how people feel overall. If I'm nitpicking as well, it's a con- it's concerning to watch guys bring in their former guys and not to say that no one's ever done that but it feels a bit like a pattern at this point sometimes very unjustified or bringing on guys that aren't good and then that's oh, okay we're just going to roll without the rest of the season i understand bringing on you know harris or whatever but that was that was it or the other you know marshall or those guys you know we bring on banks when Broughton deserved it now you bring on reader you know i hope it pans out because i feel like you can lose some guys sure. because you're just bringing in your own guys Maybe that's not the case. Maybe that you know everyone's cool with it and everybody totally gets it. To me, I think, and obviously, you know, conversations. It, I'm, I hope they don't lose the locker room because of bringing in some guys that you know that maybe didn't deserve it. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair point. Um, I, I don't think they're going to lose the locker room so much, but uh, lose confidence in you know the ability to make decisions in certain areas of the team. I, I think that that's possible and. I don't know. I just go back to this linebacker room, but we've been talking about it, and it's like Kenneth Murray better pan out, otherwise this unit is garbage. <laughs> like that—that's just kind of where we're at with it. Um, and and I know Brandon Staley doesn't value linebackers. We keep saying that, but it's like 
there's going to come a time. You still need good players there. Right. You still need good players there. Right. And I mean, there's going to be a time where like if if Kenneth Murray is not good or, you know, he gets injured and you're having to play Troy Reader 50 snaps a game uh, like that. That's the point where I think this does get really concerning, Um, especially if you're playing a team like the Chiefs. You're playing teams like the Raiders, teams like the Broncos, teams that are projected to be really good this year and have smart coaches and can just take advantage of those matchups. And they say, hey let's look at 51 over there, right? Like, you know, and take advantage of him when Derwin James and all these other guys are on the field. So I think if you have one crucial weakness in that area, um, which is just the linebacker core minus Troy Reader in general, but now you're kind of bringing Reader on as depth, potentially another liability. Um, I think it puts this team in a real uh, conflicting position heading into the draft. And they're really banking on uh, Murray and Tranquil, I guess, at this point panning out yeah and i i guess my my overall thinking here is just like where's the where's the upside because like so if, you, if your plan ideally right is kenneth murray amen ogba when you get both hit those two are those are your starters drew tranquil's a really good backup great I, I can i can get behind that kind of plan but then it's like okay if one of those two doesn't become a reliable starter then we're gonna we're just gonna start troy reader why what did you draft Nick Neiman for? Where? Why is Drew Tranquil there? Why would you not, you know, head into the draft with and you can get, you know, uh, Brandon Smith from Penn State or Chance Campbell from Ole Miss, like one of these cheaper, high upside linebackers that you can get for four years instead of a one year deal with Troy Reader. So, if you're just signing him because he's a camp body, whatever, I get it. But this feels more of like. Troy Reader is kind of that gap in between starter and depth option. So I don't know, man. Like I at some point you got to play these young guys, Damon Agbagamiga and Nick Neiman. And I would much rather see them get that chance or a rookie who they draft than Troy Reader. So again, this is there's a lot of pent-up frustration from me, you know, based off of the Kaiser White situation. And I'm sure a lot of people feel that same way. And I'm sure Troy Reader is not being signed to be a starter. You always follow what the money says. And granted, we don't know what the money says, but it's going to be a one-year veteran minimum deal kind of thing, I assume. We hope. <laughs> we hope. But it's like, like, what's the point here, I guess, is really my my biggest thing. It's like, you know, if injury happens, you're going to start Troy Reader instead of Nick Neiman, who you drafted and invested in, who also knows the system, who's been in it for a year. Like, I just don't get it. I'm just frustrated by it. I mean, I guess we don't know they're going to start short. Now, I, I do agree that they would over Nick Neiman, <laughs> but we don't we don't know that they're not going to start right. Nick Neiman if, if Reader goes down. But yes, I, <laughs> I think we'll have to wait and see on this one. Uh, we'll see what happens if he's if he's cut. You know, he's one of the first cuts. Hey, you know, it is what it is, and this was just yeah. all for nothing. But this linebacker room has some of the most controversy uh, from last season, so we'll see how it carries over into this year. Alex, you're on mute. Oh, I was just saying, I, I don't feel like he's getting cut. Uh, I, I think he's going to be one of the four, five, five. linebackers. Probably probably four. I don't know. Depends on how high they really are in Amon Hockpong for me at this point. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think he's making the team regardless. Um, how many snaps he plays is really dictated, I think, by by injury as well as what the other guys are showing in camp. Um 
but yeah, no, I, I don't think there's any chance he's got. I, I think he's 100% unless he gets injured on the opening day roster. Yeah, I think until we know about Kenneth Murray's injury and, and his recovery time, I don't know if I would full on agree with that being 100%, but I, I do think that is obviously tracking towards him making the roster. And again, this is Staley's guys. Like, And I understand like there is some legitimate reasoning to picking up players who are familiar with your scheme i mean we we all saw what that did for the raiders and gus bradley last season so i get some of it to an extent ideally when you bring in your own guys they're good players they're not <laughs> troy reader eric banks uh trey marshall kind of players so like if this were him signing micah kaiser or um alexander johnson from the broncos I would 100% get that. I would be on board with that because they're good players who are also his guys. But Troy Reader's not a good player, man. Like, <laughs> like I'm sorry. He's just not. Like, I think he's a fine fifth option, whatever. But, again, like, what's what's the point? Where's the upside here? In theory, you would like scheme familiarity. But you would also like your players to be good at football. Yeah. Um, now that's the second one. That one's a little bit harder to find. <laughs> if he's linebacker five, it doesn't matter as much. If he's linebacker two, it does. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I did see someone put positives of the signing, scheme fit, negatives of the signing, everything else. Uh, <laughs> so that is a little bit how how I feel about it at this point. But uh, like Tyler said, I think I'm willing to let it play out um, uh, and just kind of go forward. Um, but yeah, it, it's a little bit of a tough pill to swallow, especially if he ends up getting around the same money Kaiser got. Um, I hope it's not 3.01 million guaranteed just, just for the sake of it, but we'll see. God. Yeah. And I, and I like, I, I, I don't want to keep piling on on this guy. Like, you know, at some point I will move on. <laughs> you, you don't need to pile on today. him. The, the 49ers and Bengals already piled on him. <laughs> <laughs> I just think like, is he a depth signing? Sure. What is Nick Neiman? What is Eamon Ogbong-Lumiga? Like, I, I just don't, I don't see where all of that fits in. To me, it just gives me more questions than answers. And that's ideally not what you want in terms of signing a free agent. Troy People Reader, if you'd like to come on the show after we've called you not a good football player, you're welcome anytime. <laughs> yeah, he's operating the phantom zone with like Gabe Neighbors and some other guys. And, just <laughs> and Larry Roundtree. Yeah, Larry Roundtree. Well, he's already on the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, hopefully the GAC bump translates to Larry Roundtree being good next year or at least being worth a roster spot. All right, so we'll move on here. Uh, this is a, a part that I am actually excited about. This is going to be a, a fun little episode, at least for me. Obviously, everybody knows that I love talking about offensive linemen. And I will say that I didn't grade as many of the centers this year. Um, obviously, the Chargers don't really need one. So I didn't grade Cam Jurgens. I didn't grade um, Luke Fortnor from Kentucky. I know Zach Whitaker, our guy, is going to be a little bit upset about that <laughs> one. Um, definitely did not grade the BYU Center. Not watching that at all under any circumstances, like I said last time. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's jump into it. So uh, there are 10 prospects worth getting into. So I'm excited to see how this one goes on like the tight end group. Um, and I'll kick us off. So one second there? chat. Give me the percentage that Steven has a Utah football player in his top 10. Ooh. I mean, I did no, 95%. About that. 
I th- I know there's a way to do polls in here. I I think we should figure out how to do that and and have some fun yeah. with it. But uh, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, it, I mean it's pretty likely. Hey man, uh, I always true. try and be objective. We all know this, so if I'm putting one in, we know that it's that it's legitimate. So okay. Um, nice, John. Well, nice. All right, so I'm gonna get us started here. <laughs> Someone said with Jello. <laughs> That's hilarious. I uh, I got so many DMs last weekend about the the crazy food situations uh, from Utah. Uh, so shout out to all of you for uh, staying tuned to that, <laughs> listening to me talk about we- Utah's weird culture with food. Um, really appreciate that. All right. That being said, I'm going to kick us off here. So number 10 for me, I have Cade Mays from Tennessee. At number nine, I have Lekitis. Lecidus, I don't know how to say it. Lekitis Smith, I'm, I'm going with that. Uh, Virginia Tech. And then I have Gene DeLance from Florida. And then, yes, I have a Utah player. I have Nick Ford at number seven, my guy. Uh, I do think he is worth being a top 10. But then again, I did not grade Cam Jurgens. I did not grade Luke Fortner. I know for sure that Cam Jurgens would probably be ahead of Nick Ford. So you can kind of bump everybody on this list down a spot. But uh, you know, I'll talk about Nick Ford here for a second because obviously he is my guy. I have him at number seven. Um, I, I do think that he is kind of a victim of, of the process. He did not get an invite to the senior bowl. He was apparently reportedly offered one or promised one and then didn't get one. So this the shrine bowl didn't take him either. Um, so I do think that kind of hurt his his draft stock a little bit, but he's started games at all five positions along the offensive line. So he's got that versatility that teams really like with their late round players. He is seventh in our composite rankings for what it's worth. Um, over 1,000 of his snaps at Utah were at center. I don't think that's really his best position personally. I think that's most likely guard. Um He's kind of got that typical size and athleticism athleticism of a guard. Um, <laughs> snapping was kind of an issue for him at Utah. So that's really the thing that I feel like is also kind of hurting him. Uh, but he plays it with a really uh, a nice, nasty streak. He plays consistently throughout the whistle, consistently executes cutoff blocks, reaches, and combos at a high level. I always enjoyed watching him you know, get to the second level and pulling out on the perimeter. Um, he's got really strong, powerful hands. So those are kind of the positives. Like I mentioned, his versatility. He does get uh, struggle with some high pad level that time. And again, I did mention the the snapping issues. Um, But overall, I think he's worth a dart throw as a date three candidate. He has Mm -hmm. that versatility. He has that athleticism. So yes, it's probably a homer pick. And yes, there are probably prospects that I I did not grade uh, that are probably better than him. I didn't get to Marquise Hayes from Oklahoma either. So I will say that. Uh, before Tyler gets to him. There's no film on him on caddies, man. There's no film. So the I wanted to. One. Huh? The other one. Oh. Which one? The other one we have access to. Okay, you're right. I'm sorry. I didn't get to check it. Uh, I did not grade Ed Ingram either for uh, character reasons. I know he is off yeah, the Chargers board, for example. So, again, this is a little bit homerism. A little bit I didn't get to grade. Everybody that's probably better than like Cam Jurgen specifically. Uh, but I do think overall that Nick Ford would be a top 10 into your offensive lineman for me. Yeah, nice. Nick Ford was great. I I don't have him in my top 10. I, I did create a lot of guys. Yeah, um, you I do really like him this time for sure. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we're on the same page of him being a good day three option, especially because I didn't, let's see, did I watch him as, I think I only watched him as a center. 
I don't believe I watched him as a, a guard at all, but I'm glad he has that versatility. Um, a lot of power between him. Uh, not like the most flashy athletic guy, but just a guy that gets the job done. So I like him for sure. Yeah, definitely not an elite athlete by any means. But uh, again, when you're watching these day three guys, you're looking for versatility, <laughs> looking for some competitive yeah. toughness, all these things. So mm-hmm. I think there is a lot to like. And I, like I said, he's probably closer to like nine or 10 for me. But yeah, you know. not bad. Who is right, who wants to go next? I don't know. Uh, up to you. I'll go. Why not? Okay. <laughs> um, at number 10, a guy that I'm banking on uh, because of athletic traits more than anything, Cam Jurgens, the center from Nebraska. At number nine, I have Luke Fortner from Kentucky. At eight, I have Jamari Salier from Georgia. That's how you say his name. Sorry. And then number seven, I have Dylan Parham from Memphis. Mm-hmm. I think, are they, I don't know if they're all Parham or not, but that's who I got. Cam Jurgens is so he so he made the bootleg football podcast all ceiling team. He's yeah. a guy that has, I mean, just the RAS score. He's elite 97th percentile everywhere else except for size. Um, this is a guy that is new to the position. He was recruited as a tight end. So he's just, I don't want to say he's just learning how wow. to play, but he certainly didn't play in high school by any means. Although I'm sure there's some that he at least blocked as a tight end, I'm sure. Um, this is a guy who's a four-time, four-time state champion discus thrower, three-time mm-hmm. state champion shot put guy. Um, yeah, he's a, he's an explosive monster. He's a guy that you, you know, some of the more impressive blocks you'll see on film. He's got guys twenty yards down the field. He's just a, a forceful, powerful guy because of some demeanor, the athletic combination, all that. Here's where it's going to turn off some other people. Uh, penalty machine for sure. This is an unnecessary yeah. roughness kind of penalty machine. This isn't like a false start sort of thing. Um, apparently, he's also had two season-ending injuries in his career. One as a senior in high school. One as a freshman in college. <laughs> uh, so that's not great. And he just looks like a tight end. If you look at him and you watch him, he almost is built like a thick tight end. Like if Charlie Kolar from Iowa State went and played center, kind of looks like that. And he's not the biggest, you know, Obviously, he, he's at okay size in his RAS score. He's not the biggest dude. So you got to work with the fact that he's got two season-ending injuries on his under his belt, a very much so penalty machine, and certainly not the biggest guy. But there's so much athletic upside there. Again, a 97th percentile tester sort of guy. You put him at center, you give him the tools, you work with it, you get him going along, have more years under his belt developing as a center. He could be really good. Yeah, everything that I've seen on Twitter from Cam Jurgens and his, you know, athletic testing would lend itself towards being, you know, a, a high-end prospect. You know, I, I think I've seen him as pretty high in, in terms of like being a top five into your offensive lineman. Um, again, I just didn't really I didn't have time to watch everybody. I wanted to focus more on the guards in this class, um, as opposed to the centers once you get past the top two or three. So um, you know, I kind of watched Cam Jurgens in passing. I will like him. I, uh, if I, once I get to grading him, I will say that he will be in my top 10 at some point. 10 feels a little low because of his athletic profile, but I totally understand the concerns, especially the penalties. Uh, Kevin Kernick did point out he is Trevor Penning at center, like they're like the same kind of person mentality. Uh, mm-hmm. but he's a lot of fun, yeah. Uh, all right, so I'll go through my 10 through seven. Uh, at number 10, I have Alec Lindstrom. At number 9, I have Spencer Burford. At number 8, I have Cole Strange. And at number 7, I have 
Luke uh, Gedeke. Uh, so I talked a little bit about Luke Gedeke when mm-hmm. we did our tackles episode, and I had him like outside my top 10. Um, but he also can play guard. And to be honest, he's who everyone thinks Bernard Raymond is because he's a tight end, that transition, that can play tackle or guard and do that whole thing. And I think he's actually good, unlike Bernard Raymond. <laughs> um, so I just think he has that, you know, he's not going to have the length um, to be able to play tackle in the NFL, which is why I think he'll ultimately shift to the interior offensive line. But every time he plays, he's just very easily able to get to the second level, shows a certain kind of fierceness, but also that athletic bounciness that you kind of see in like a tight end in terms of his uh, lateral mobility as well. So, I, you know, I do think there is something to him as like a high ceiling prospect, right? Um, just because he does, you know, is hasn't played, uh, you know, uh, interior offensive line for very long. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're got, ho- taking him probably in the third or fourth round, just hoping he kind of like develops further. But he was already really solid and uh, the analytics really like him, he, along with his teammate, Bernard Raymond, which I don't support the analytics in that case. They both, <laughs> had, they both had over 90 PFF grades is what I'm saying. But but I don't believe it for Bernard Raymond. I do believe it for Luke Ketteke. Uh So, no, I, I, I think he probably would fill in probably somewhere like left guard, I think, in the league if you're looking at a team to take him. But I think he just blows defenders backwards. Um, just as a guy that immediately at least makes your run uh, run game a little bit better. Uh, I think you probably are drafting him with the intention of him not starting immediately, but I yeah. do really like his upside uh, as a prospect. Yeah, so I watched him. He just was outside of my top 10 at 11. It was between yeah. him and Jurgens. You see, so he's a, he's only he was a tight end convert, only spent two years as a, a right tackle i believe he had an injury one of his other years i think 2019 and 2021 was only two years this is a guy who flashes quite a bit and i understand why right. brendan thorne has him in his top 10 there are things that you see whether it's grip strength the anchor variation in the hands getting out in space blocking small sample size but when he got out, oh, went out in space there were flashes of like wow that's really fantastic um he's a guy who half of his plays seem like they're knockdowns or pancakes those are wonderful. The reason he's outside of my top 10 is because, holy crap, the losses were like bad. And, and I mean, there mm-hmm. were some that were very concerning against LSU. Some of it's, you know, speed to the outside. Some of it's guys working spin moves off of him. Um, he's got really short arms, which he'll, he'll be a great guard. Like, I do think him being at 11 for me is almost kind of a disservice to what I think he could be as a guard. But I still have to take it into consideration what happened along the edge and or at tackle. And guys were just getting their hands into his chest and working the leverage quite a bit. Um, right. spin moves off of him so but again these are all criticisms i have for him watching him at tackle and i think that some of those things will be taken care of when he goes to guard so i think there's so much there's a lot of upside with him for sure mm-hmm. i understand why you like him and yeah so he's, he's a good he's a good player for sure or a yeah good and also, also i was just saying in comparison to bernard, bernard raymond he's 23 as opposed to 45 so <laughs> you know, if you're looking for development that's that's another thing <laughs> i uh so I was driving back from the coast this morning and I was listening to uh, the stock exchange podcast with uh, Trevor Sikma and Connor Rogers and they were doing uh, no trades mock draft today mm. and the board fell in such a way that I like you hear them talking about like what the chargers are going to do at 17 and they're like Trevor Penning was the pick before Jordan Davis was like before that Jameson mm. Williams was like 10 to the Jets 
so all these players like that are typically mocked to the Chargers were all gone, all of them. And they mentioned Trent McDuffie, they mentioned uh, Zion Johnson, and then they chose Bernard Raymond, man, at 17. I was like, what are we doing here? <laughs> I'm going to be doing the live stream. And if they take Bernard Raymond at 17, I, I will leave the live stream. <laughs> Just leave. I think I like Raymond. It's been a while since I've watched Raymond. I think I like him more, but the age is certainly concerning, of course. Yeah. I like Raymond more than Penning right now, but it's just the age and the lack of, you know, Penning's at least an elite athlete and he's not going to be 25 as a rookie. So it, it is a really concerning debate at that point. And, you know, we'll get to Zion in a little bit and things like that. But, uh, the problem is that they haven't met with Raymond, according to Arjun. Have they met with anyone else that's in the top first round? No, right? Ojabo. Uh, oh, of the tackles? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess they did meet with everybody at the combine, but... the I'm sure Penning has met with the Chargers. Yeah. I'm sure, the, I'm sure he has to. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right. So uh, we'll continue on here to uh, the next of my list. I will say I really like Gene DeLance. Chargers have met with him. I think he is a mm. fantastic Darthur option. Didn't really get to talk about him much, but I do really like him. Um, all right, number six for me. I actually have Tyler Smith from Tulsa here. Uh, I'm listing. I am listing him as a guard. I went back and revisited him because there were more games available to me, um, and so I am changing him to guard. And then at number five, I have Jamari Salier from Georgia, the former. Uh, left tackle, who is a guard, 100%. And then at number four, I have Cole Strange from from mm. Chattanooga. So uh, I'll talk about Salier first. I really like him more than I thought I would have when I, you know, look at his kind of tackle tape. But, you know, in, in terms of him being a guard convert, he just really has the, the stereotypical guard traits. And, you know, he is a little bit undersized for from a tackle perspective. He was actually the number one ranked guard in all of, in the whole country coming out of high school uh 
So he does have that former guard center background. That's where he spent most of his times uh, in, in his first two years at Georgia. And then I feel like it was just kind of a get the best five players out there for them. And so they stuck him at left tackle, Justin Schaefer, uh, who I have much lower on my list at left guard. And, and so it just never really felt like he truly fit in as a left tackle. He does have, you know, when, you, when you're looking at tackles who are converting to guard in the next level, you're ideally looking for someone who doesn't have necessarily a great range, kind of struggles a little bit with those second level blocks. This is not super, uh, obviously lengthy is kind of like the, the big one that teams really look for. You know, we hear about the 33 inch arms threshold that teams really like from a tackle perspective. But I will say, you know, uh, Salier did, he didn't really test well, but he, he plays well, man. Like he is explosive on tape. He jumps out of his stance at a consistent level. He's very, very violent. And I think he does have the kind of grip strength, the kind of tenacity that you like from your guards. He has that tone setter ability that, you know, Tyler's going to talk about with Marquise Hayes. And again, I'm really bummed that I didn't get to watch him. But uh, Salier is kind of that same player. And and so I do really like him. Um, you know, he again, not the best athlete. So I understand certain people will not have him as high as I do at five. But I just really like the way that he plays. I love his explosiveness. I love the, just his overall technique. There wasn't a like single bad play that I watched where you're watching him and Schaefer next to each other. Schaefer is just kind of a mess, kind of a mess. And you know, Salier is a really good technician. Has all of the power and pop that you're looking for from a guard. And so, yeah, he doesn't have like elite athletic traits, but he's not Deontay Brown either. So I think he is a good athlete, and he does show explosive traits on film. Yeah, he's great. I, I honestly, like I, I told you an hour or so ago or two hours ago, if he were six five, six six, I think he'd just kind of be a tackle, to be completely honest. Yeah. I think he like really, really good there. You know, for some of these guards, and if they make the top 10, I'm looking for some sort of independent hand usage. This yeah. guy is just very, I think he's just gonna be very valuable. Apparently, he played all five positions, which is great. He's a thick dude, he's got an anchor. <laughs> he is, um, yeah. There are moments where I just think he's like he's lunging way too much. But when he plays refined and smart, when he brings his hips, when he brings the lower half of his body in combination with how strong he is and how sturdy he is, he's really, really good. I, I do really like him. There are other guys that you haven't watched or you didn't grade that I have ahead of him, but I, I really do like Cellier quite a bit. Yeah, and he's obviously checks that Georgia box that uh, Brandon Staley seems to like. I don't know if that's going to translate to the offensive line as much as it does defense, uh, but I, I think Cellier would be a a good fourth round, third round pick for them if they do kind of need a, a guard there as opposed to a tackle. Yeah. Okay. I am up. So my number six, uh, I didn't know what to do with this particular person. I graded them and ranked them. I will change this. Uh, Ed Ingram, I'm aware of all you know the general issues surrounding the whole thing. I just put him in there because I wasn't sure where to move him because of that. Sure. Um, obviously, there's issues there. Number five, I have Cole Strange from Chattanooga. Number four, I have Marquise Hayes from Oklahoma. Okay, Marquise yeah, talk Hayes. Talk about your guy. Gave me so much life watching film. Like <laughs> this guy, you know, the first I'm watching him against Baylor. There are a few guys that I'd really just want to down. Like I want to spend time 45 minutes screenshotting and or screen recording and downloading their film. And Hayes from like the first quarter, I'm like, oh, I have to, you know, show more plays of this guy. I have to watch more of this guy. He is so much fun to watch. There are 
half a dozen plays a game, 10 plays a game, when he's throwing someone to the ground. This is a through-the-whistle guy, tone-setter, mean human being. I think much less so um, an asshole than Trevor Penning. I think this guy <laughs> is certainly more of just a, I'm having fun bullying you, but in like a yeah, we're all on the football field sort of way. Um, this guy is a problem as a puller. This guy loves to knock guys over. But then you see all this, the, the bully mentality, how aggressive he is, how many knockdowns he has per game. And then you know, like some of the, my favorite guys in this group, all of a sudden he's like, got a pretty decent mirror and he's got independent hand usage. There's variation to it. And he's a guy that also in pass protection is looking to help guys. And he'll move all on different, all over the line of scrimmage to try to go help guys, whether it's his tackle, his center, whatever. He's going to go out and help guys and knock them over with a force. He is so much fun to watch. Um, he's Brandon Thorne's number four into your offensive lineman. And I totally get it. Uh, there are obviously some issues. You know, he's guys plays top heavy, um, sort of as an upright guy. Again, like I said, he doesn't really bring that lower half with him sometimes. Uh, I, I don't want to say he's too aggressive, but I guess he could be. Um, and then he's just, he's going to be limited by his athletic ceiling. He's just not a crazy athletic tester and he doesn't really look like it. He pulls well, but he's not going to be, you know, you're, you get a screen and you run down the field, you know, very athletic guy. He just doesn't really check that box, but he's going to be a good starter in this league. And someone's really going to love him. I believe Jordan Reed had him going in the third round to the bills. I think that would be so much fun for the bills. Um, he's a ton of fun to watch. And I didn't know who he was because the draft network had had him yeah. at like three fifty one. And I didn't put him on the composite rankings. I didn't think to look at him. If I didn't know, <laughs> if I didn't know Brandon Thorne had even liked him, I yeah. would never have known who he was. And he's my one of my favorite guys. He's going to be one of my guys when we do that episode. He's so much fun to watch. Uh, just a just a total blast. Alex, you're muted again. Oh, oh bad timing. Uh, Marquise Hayes is in my top six as well from six to four. Uh, so I will not talk about him, but from six to four, I do have Luke uh, Fortner at number six. Mm. I have number five. I have Jamari Salier. Uh, and at number yes. four, I actually do have Marquise Hayes as well. Uh, so yeah, no, I'll talk about Luke Fortner. Um, this guy is a really good athlete. Uh, I didn't, I don't expect that to say that like a lot when it comes to, you know, offensive linemen. Um, but there's a play just to give you a little bit of an intro to him where Wandale Robinson is uh, just running through a bunch of a uh, bunch of Florida secondary people and he's running all the way to the end zone. And I'm like, who's this big white guy that's just running stride <laughs> for stride with him? And it's Luke Fortner. Um, and so, yeah, he, he just was able to keep up with him at his speed. And I just, I love how he charges down the field like that. He, and that shows in his game too. He's able, uh, I think, to get to the second level pretty easily. I think the thing that is probably, I don't know, when we talk about interior offensive linemen, and it'll become more apparent when we talk about our top threes, is how do you value a guy who's only a center, a guy who can mm -hmm. play center guard mm -hmm. and tackle, right? Um, but, you know, in that Linderbaum vein, I think he's just a guy that's kind of like a lock to play five to ten years in the league. Um, I think he has really good functional strength, uh, really nasty <laughs> blocker as well. And, and shows the ability to consistently get to uh, the second level, which is not always true with center prospects, especially one you, center prospects that 
look like Luke Fortner. Um, not yeah. that I'm trying to necessarily insinuate anything there, but also did really well at the combine as well. Uh, showed a lot on the bench press. And I think that he is going to be a guy that, unlike Tyler Linderbaum, I actually think could kind of have that center guard flexibility. What will knock him down for me is that I think sometimes he looks a little bit uh, late when it comes to yep. the pass game more so than the run game. That I totally get why you know people wouldn't have him this high. But I think all of his issues are kind of correctable at the next level. So when you're just looking at like these freak athletes who are going to do good at the next level... Uh, he's one of them for me. And I, I could just watch that play with Dolly Robinson all day. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting kind of how trends in the NFL kind of work their way down. And I think this year's center class is really indicative of that because we're seeing, you know, such an emphasis on the wide zone offense. You know, mm -hmm. Travis Kelsey has, has been kind of, you know, the godfather of the, you know, wide zone center along with Alex Mack. Uh, over the last few years. And now we're seeing all of these guys pop up, you know, Tyler Linderbaum and Fortnor and Cam Jurgens and Cole Strange, who are just like, mm -hmm. you know, elite athletes at that position where, you know, 10 years ago, we just weren't really seeing that. We were just seeing teams go, hey, you're a good guard and you're short. Like, let's kick you into center. <laughs> now there's like a verified, bona fide center pipeline that's kind of happening. And, and as mm -hmm. a former center myself, I have to say it, it does get me a little a little excited to kind of see these uh, players pop up every once in a while. So, again, Chargers don't really need a center that badly, so I didn't really study the ones outside of the top. But, you know, from watching Kentucky offensive line in, in passing while studying Darren Kennard, I will say Fortner has some legitimate, you know, pop to him. And you know, I think people will be surprised if they pop on the Kentucky-Georgia tape to see mm -hmm. how he handled Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis. Of course, they had their wins at certain points, but – uh, Fournier's game against Kentucky against Georgia, man, was was good stuff. It was good top notch game tape for a guy who I think he is probably a center only prospect, but uh, man, he, he's a good player for sure. Does Does Luke Fortner inspire you to put the pads on and get back out there? <laughs> <laughs> Luke, not so much. Uh, Cole Strange, however, man, <laughs> I love Cole Strange. We'll get to that so much. You know, Cole Strange, he didn't make my top three, but. Man, he's he's so fun and he's just so old school. He has the the uh vertical bar on his face mask that is just <laughs> you know fantastic. And I think he probably could play guard a little bit more than some of these other players, but ideally with his athleticism, with his kind of you know tenacity, I think you are looking at, at a, a tone setter at center who I think you know could provide some value. And I, I actually have Cole Strange and Tyler Linderbaum uh graded really closely. So Tyler Linderbaum is number three for me, uh, kind of transitioning here. And then number two, I have Kenyon Green. And then number one is Zion Johnson. So uh, I've been talking about Zion Johnson specifically to the Chargers for quite a while. So uh, I'll mention him here. I love Zion Johnson, man. I've tweeted about him a bunch. He's got an elite athletic profile for the guard position and for the center position. If a team that wants to you know, kind of draft him to be uh, uh, just into your three player. I think he, he it fits great there. It really has a a fascinating story in general. The man was a former golfer in high school and actually started his career at Davidson, and now he's going to be the best, the first guard taken off the board. Like it's just a crazy story to me that you just never hear. Like imagine you know looking at Colin Morikawa and then you know like 
three years down the road, man is training to be a guard in the NFL. So uh, just a crazy story to me in general, but his film is so, so good, man. And when I say this, like Zion Johnson is the guard version of Rashawn Slater. There are no Hmm. mistakes in his film ever, like ever. And, you know, uh, according to Doug Farrar at touchdown wire, literally 0.03 of his blocks last season were missed assignments 0.03 that means like one out of a thousand so zion johnson is just a fantastic player i think he you know he mm-hmm. is a little undersized in terms of his height but you know he's got 30 34 inch arms and he's just got outstanding power and pop to him he could do all the second level things he's a fantastic athlete like i said so i know a guard doesn't really inspire much in terms of first round picks man but I would be absolutely thrilled with Zion Johnson at 17. I think Mm -hmm. he fits, you know, kind of the Saints background that we've seen a little bit. Doug Farrar compared him to Jari Evans. I've compared him to Cesar Ruiz, who the Saints drafted. So to me, there is potentially some some smoke there in terms of what the Chargers could be looking for. He would be a fantastic left guard, right guard, maybe center of the future. So Zion Johnson, to me, is clearly the best interior offensive lineman in this class, and I will have a first round grade on him. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I one of those guys almost like Cole Strange where everything match, matches up. RES score matches up. Where he ranks statistically matches up. Yeah. And he goes to the senior bowl. He's a practice player of the week. You watch the film, he's great. I, I struggled. I, I looked at the blinking cursor on my screen to try to figure out I, I write negatives for everyone when we do this. I want to just put you know as many things I can think of. And it's like yeah undersized um can Six occasionally <laughs> right occasionally climbing he can miss but it's like it feels so nitpicky i had to think of something and everything is just so so clean with him he's my number one as well he's the only guy in this group that i got a first round grade for me um i I think he's fantastic everything checks a box like for me when the film the stats the res score all that could check a box you're good yeah feel the same way oh yeah i'm next (laughs) (laughs) i think we'll have the same three for what it's worth yes uh so i do have tyler linderbaum then kenyon green then zion johnson uh tyler linderbaum feels like kyle hamilton to me sort of yeah (laughs) which people are not gonna like because kyle hamilton is still perceived as the top 10 pick linderbaum more maybe like your late teens to 20s but i expected to see a little bit more refinement someone who's a little bit better and I do think Linderbaum's best football is ahead of him. I think there's a lot there to work with. This is a high IQ guy. This is a guy who can get to the second level, no problem. His speed off the line is fantastic. All that sort of stuff. Great. He's number one in our composite rankings. Statistically, he checks out. I wish he had tested, but I think I think he would test well outside of size. He did just have his pro day today, by the way. Oh, well, I hope it went well. Um, it but to me... And if part of the reason I have like someone like Kenyon Green ahead of him is because you're sure I, I graded him higher anyway, but he's also, you know, Kenyon Green can play tackle if you need him to. And I thought Kenyon Green's best film was as a tackle at left tackle one game. But it was awesome. Tyler Linderbaum is going to be a center for his whole career. And that's fine. You need all pro centers. Chargers have a good one. And it really worked out for them. Yeah. But he's kind of size issues, anchor issues. It's a weight girth thing. Some of it's a leverage thing. There's a grip strength problem. I do see issues with GPS at the second level, someone who overruns his targets. I'm like, this is number one over Zion Johnson. I just, 
and Zion Johnson, who has better tape and can play more positions. I just, I, I like him. He's number three. I have a really good, solid, high second round grade on him. But I just didn't see the guy that I thought was supposed to be the best interior guy. And I thought he was really comfortably number three on here. And to be completely honest, given what I saw, I would rather wait till round two, round three, two, not saying they're better, but I'd rather take Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, whatever, and wait for someone like Linderbaum later on. If I'm a team that needs a center or wait for someone like, um, like strange, like Fortner, um, like Jurgens, like even Donovan West, wait a little bit longer down the line yeah. and take a more premium position guy now. So I do like him. Same thing like Hamilton, but I just didn't see a guy that was, I thought was supposed to be like easily the best guy in this class. Yeah. So, I mean, he was listed at, at I think, 295 on Iowa's page. He did check in at 303 today. And, you know, some like everything is amplified, right? Like the draft process is five months long. So everything gets amplified. And so, you know, Linderbaum being undersized becomes like gospel, right? Like it's the only concern, but there are other concerns. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, you can be a light center and make things work. You know, uh, Jason Kelsey, I think he still weighs like 290 pounds and he's only like 6'2". So you have to make things work around your deficiencies. And that to me is just kind of the issue with Linderbaum. I know he's an elite athlete. Mm -hmm. I know he's a former wrestler and I know he has a great understanding of leverage. That's all there too. But it's just like the lack of anchor. It's just like you were saying, you know, when you're that small and that great of an athlete, you're going to be asked to do second level things. And his second level technique is just not there. Like athleticism, absolutely there. So there are things he needs to work on. And I, I, for what it's worth, I think the other parallel with him and Kyle Hamilton is really kind of the depth behind him. Like if I needed a center, I'm not taking Tyler Linnebaum at the end of the first round. Because like you said, you can get all these other guys too. And it's the same thing with Kyle Hamilton that we're seeing right now. You know, why would you spend, if you're the Falcons, why would you spend a number eight overall pick on Kyle Hamilton when you could spend a number 48 pick on, you know, Lewis Seen or Daxon Hill or, or whoever, you know, Jalen Petrie. So I, I think there are a lot of par- parallels there. I do think he is, you know, a, a little overrated in, in certain aspects. And it's not just that he's small. It's there are other technique aspects as well that, you know, kind of paint him. For me, he's a second round player because of the technique issues and because he's a center only prospect. Yeah, um, I we all have the same exact uh, top three because I have Tyler Linderbaum three. I have Kenyon Green two, Zion Johnson number one. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I feel the same way about Tyler Linderbaum. I feel like you are getting a great center um, prospect, like someone that but, you know, compared to uh, Zion Johnson and Kenyon Green just as these two guys that you know potentially can play multiple positions on the offensive line that's like the, the versatility for me is what really yeah. powered those guys over the top like sure it would be great if you if you know a team that needs a center gets their Corey Lindsley so to speak but I just think that kind of player as good as he is as safe of a bet as he is probably just isn't as valuable as players that have maybe a higher ceiling I do think there's a little bit of overthinking that goes on with Linderbaum where it's sure. like, yeah, like, you know, there are definitely size issues. Um, but at the same time, the numbers kind of do speak for themselves. I think he's had 737 pass blocking snaps over the last two seasons, five QB hurries, four QB hits and one sack um, in that time. Of course, the stats aren't everything and you want to look at the film as well. 
but I do think, you know, when you do watch the film that, you know, it's not like he's giving up a ton of pressures or anything or yeah. you know, losing reps bad, like Tyler talked about just with guards earlier. Um, and so I, I think the way the rest of the line kind of like follows him as well, uh, I, I think is very uh, nice to watch on film whenever you do see him play. So I, I think he's going to be a really great center. Obviously, the, the Chargers have no use for him because we have Corey Lindsley, fortunately. Yeah. Um, but I get why a team would take him in the first round. Um, but yeah, I do think when you're in that, even in that range, the Chargers are in where they're like 15 to 25. And that's probably when teams start considering a Tyler Linderbaum. I would go with a Garrett Wilson. I would go with a Jameson Williams. I'd go with a quarterback. I'd go with someone that's going to be sort of more high upside for me uh, over the next 10 years rather than, you know, just kind of filling out my center position, especially depending on how many picks I have in the draft later on. So uh, I think he's going to make a team very happy. He's going to fix their yeah. offensive line, fix their center problems, maybe make sure that the the Dan Feeney's of the world aren't starting for you. Uh, <laughs> but, but I do think that uh, he is number three for me in, in comparison to the other two. Yeah, he's, I mean, we talked a lot of bad about him, obviously, but he's number three for all of us unanimously. Like, yeah, he's a really right. freaking good football player, man. It's just, I think he's also kind of a victim of his draft hype to start, you know, similar to Devin Lloyd in that sense, mm-hmm. who, you know, started the draft process as like a surefire top 10 pick. And now they're both probably out of the first round, unfortunately, for, for those two individuals. So, yeah. um, you know, I think if you are a team who needs a center and you take him in the top 10 of the second round, you'll be very, very happy. It's just, you know, we started this whole process and he was going number 10 overall to the Jets like pretty consistently or number 14 to the Baltimore Ravens. And that could certainly still happen, man. But uh, I think top 10 in the second round, you'd be very, very happy with that pick. And it's just kind of positional value too. Like Creed Humphrey was a 58th pick or 59th or something like that. And to me, Creed Humphrey is a far superior prospect than Tyler Linderbaum. Yeah, I'll have to go recheck that one. To me, I almost feel like not opposites, but I see Linderbaum as a guy who can move forward very well. But I see like Humphrey as a guy who can anchor down and just be this gritty trenches player. Um, listen, Linderbaum is 23rd on my big board right now. I don't think that's going to change all that much. So yeah, I, we still like him. It's just yeah, the yeah. hype, the draft yeah. hype. Yeah, pretty much. You guys want to talk about some guys uh, outside top 10? Yeah, I will say, wanted to acknowledge really quickly, LA Chargers fan. Uh, thank you for the super chat. We will not be talking about Tua. Um, we will, that's is not something we're going to do today or ever, but thank you for the super chat and for the support. Um, yeah, outside of the top 10, uh, I didn't grade him, but I did watch him obviously while I was watching his uh, teammate a lot. And Donovan West, man, from Arizona mm-hmm. State, like I, I really like him as well. Uh, Watching good offensive line play at Arizona State's a little weird, but uh, Donovan West is good, man. I really like him. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, snarky comment from me because I saw this and I had to bring it up. You graded Sean Ryan. Uh, do you want to know who Brandon Thorne's pro comp is for Sean Ryan? I'm going to make uh, the chat vomit. I'm going to hate this Senio one. Calamete. Oh, <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> I was thinking it was going to go like the other way and he was going to compare oh, it to no. like, somebody really freaking good. Nope. <laughs> so wow. take that what you will, everyone. All our LA fans. Yeah, Sean Ryan, I have him uh, at number 12 right now. Uh, I have a, a, let me check this. I have a fourth round grade on him. So 
It's not terrible, but uh, man, that guy is supposed to be like nasty and physical, and then you just watch him get destroyed by Oregon defensive players and Utah defensive players. And I was not super into Sean Ryan. And <laughs> there was that one Fox Sports analyst like early on in the process that had the Chargers taking him at seventeen, and I'm like, bro, what That's are we? Right. What are we watching here? <laughs> And we can officially rule out, rule out Linderbaum at 17 as well. I think that's yes. yeah. that one mock or whatever. No, thanks. Yeah. Uh, the mock drafts really just prove who knows who watches the Chargers and who doesn't. Uh, and if you take Linderbaum at 17, then I don't think you've ever watched the Chargers, but okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, I haven't watched Sean Ryan, but um, him getting compared to Samuel <laughs> we're not going not, to anymore. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound like a really great advertisement. Like, hey, you could watch this movie, but it sucks. Like, I'm sorry, I don't want to watch the movie anymore. <laughs> um, I yeah, the only one for me that just sticks out, um, given everything we've talked about earlier in the show with him, is Ed Ingram. He, he's a guy that would mm-hmm. probably be in that seven eight range for me. Um, but obviously with everything on the off the field issues, I don't know how that's going to play out. So that's why I left him, um, outside the top 10, but yeah. Yeah. And we were talking about him earlier. Everybody was like, what issues just Google him and you'll find it really quickly. And it's worse than stealing a bike. It is much worse than stealing a bike. That is, that is definitely confirmed. Um, all right. So as we always do, we'll talk about kind of how we see the chargers, you know, attacking this unit for what it's worth. Chargers, uh, their second string unit needs a lot of work right now, along with the second string in, in a lot of places. So um, I guess my question is here, how strongly do we feel the Chargers need to attack this again? Ode Abuji could certainly be re-signed at any point. Uh, and of course, shout out to uh, Tyler's mom for the super chat feature. We always appreciate those. Um, but I think this is a really interesting group because the the guards specifically, to me, feel more top-heavy then they feel more depth related. I feel better about the offensive tackle depth than I do the guard depth. So Alex, where do you land with how you see the chargers potentially, you know, adding to this unit in the draft? It It's tough. Um, that a lot of it depends on if they resign a or not, but you know, we do have Brendan Hymas still, who was kind of their late round guy last year. So, I mean, they're kind of, I think waiting to see some development from him um there's been like weird talk about potentially trey pipkins <laughs> being guard i don't think that's gonna happen much at all but i think in general they have guys that they want to experiment with at guard i wouldn't be surprised if they went and got another body um obviously their their biggest hole right now I'm not speaking in starter terms is that they let scott quesenberry walk um so now they do have to find a backup center that's something that feels like it could be taken in the draft. Um, not particularly high, but Scott Quesenberry was what, like a sixth round pick? Uh, fifth. fifth, I think. Fifth, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I that's kind of if they want to take a center in like the fifth or sixth round. Um, I, I think that would make a lot of sense. And then if I think their need for guard is a little bit higher, but I don't think they'll end up taking both. I think they probably take one interior offensive lineman through the draft. Um, and I think it's more than likely a backup center. Yeah, I agree. Obviously, again, it depends on a bougie. To me, I feel like by the might not be very soon, might not even be before the draft, but I feel like at some point before the season starts, we're going to have a bougie and Hymas as your well, as your you know starter guard and then your backup swing guard, if you will. 
So it does come down to right tackle or obviously a backup center. I'd love for them to take someone like a Donovan West. I don't know where he's projected to go, but if it's a day three pick and it's a later day three pick, go for it. Have not watched a lot of round six to seven centers. Couldn't tell you who's there, but definitely have to find somebody because you can't like Corey Lindsay's great, but even he went down last year. Although was that COVID or an injury? That was COVID. Yeah. Well, we'll see. But like, you know, you got to have a backup center. Can't have nobody. So I think at some point on day three, they'll address that barring some crazy fall. But if they take, if they don't get a bougie and they will, if they take Marquise Hayes, I will buy that Jersey. I don't care how <laughs> ugly it looks on me and how much I don't weigh 200 pounds. Hey man, offensive line jerseys look good on anyone. Do they? <laughs> I guess we'll find out. <laughs> guess we'll find out. Um, I certainly think that they have to find uh, another center capable player. Obviously, they need a, a backup there. And like, I, I really like Brendan Hymas, man. I think I was, you know, I don't want to say I was first on that train, but I feel like I was. I think he can be a starting caliber guard. I really do. I think he showed enough in the preseason. I don't know if the Chargers coaching staff feels that way. Like we talked about on Saturday during the Q, during the Q and A. I think it is certainly possible that he could be kind of a, a three-year project that we see a lot, uh, very often. So I think the Chargers could stand to upgrade the position. And, you know, maybe O'Day comes back. And that in that instance, I think they're obviously fine. But the the whole right tackle situation, it, it really kind of is the, the, the determining factor here. Because, you know, if they take Zion Johnson at 17, and we kind of know Matt Filer's kicking over there, and then we'll see kind of what happens. But, you know, I, I feel much better about this guard class early in the draft. So if they do want to upgrade it one, it, it's going to have to be with one of their first two picks. I do feel like they could find a developmental tackle prospect later on in the draft, as opposed to, you know, if, if they decide not to take one in the first round. Like, I feel okay about their chances of finding a, you know, developmental project, at, you know, I don't want to say I eat Trey, Trey Pipkins because he's a third round pick and he was the biggest of dart throws. But, you know, there's Vidarian Lowe from Illinois. There's obviously um, Deesh from Arizona State. There's, mm-hmm. I forget his name from South Dakota. Wadesco? Wadlesco? Oh, uh, yeah. There, well, let's go from North Dakota and then Volson yeah. from North Dakota State. Okay. So many Dakotas this year. Braxton Jones is another, you know, decent dart throw. So I, I'm just like, obviously so curious. I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to figure out how they're going to solve this offensive line. Cause they, they got to do something, man. And I, I like at this point, I'm really talking myself into Zion Johnson being the, the selection at 17. I really am. Wouldn't hate that. I would not hate that at all. That is going to be one of the like 10 players of the first round grade for me. So I'm all for Zion Johnson. That's a safe pick in my book. Would be for it too. Not over receiver though. <laughs> eh. Depends on the receivers, man. Like, mm, true. Okay, which ones would you not take over Zion Johnson than Alex? Like Sky Moore. Yeah, where's your bar? Ooh, I would not take Sky Moore over Zion Johnson. That's okay. very hard, but I would. <laughs> I would not do it. Uh, I think the cutoff line is after after Jameson Williams. I think after after that, then I would then I would not take someone over Zion Johnson. So you take Zion over Chris Olave? No, no, <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> See, it depends on how you list him out. Uh, I, I wouldn't take him over 
Wilson, Olave, or Williams. After Williams, then I then I would then I would take Johnson over whatever receivers left. Okay. I love that some of my favorite players that'll be there at 17 are not valuable positions for the Chargers. Like, <laughs> oh, Devin Lloyd, awesome. Nope. Zion Johnson, probably not going to take him, but you know, we have betting it is. Man, I feel like Zion would be Zion's more likely than Devin Lloyd. Yeah. I, I yes. At this point, we have Troy Reader, so yeah. <laughs> The, the dream the dream might have been Morgan Moses and Devin Lloyd at some point, but you know, sometimes it doesn't pan out and you're left with Penning and Reader. <laughs> Man, imagine if they could have signed Morgan Moses and then you take Zion at 17. Oh. They're cooking. Offensive line is cooking at that point. Scary, scary. All right, guys. Any uh final thoughts before we head out for the evening? Um, I would be remiss if I did not mention that the Chargers did meet. <laughs> Uh, oh, with yeah. weapon punter, uh, Matariza weapon so punter, I, weapon. I, yeah, I don't know. I just came up with that, but he, he, he did meet with the chargers privately. Uh, I, I it wasn't a top 30 visit, but it was a private meeting. So Steven, uh, prepare your butthole. <laughs> Listen, man, like he's a great punter. I'm not, I've never been in denial of that. I've just been in the denial of people like, Take Matariza with the fourth round. It's like, what? <laughs> what are we doing here? The Chargers have like zero backups, and we want to take a punter in the fourth round? Come on. Okay, wh- where's Jalen Vertermeyer supposed to go? Steven? Oh, I hope undrafted after that piece of shit combine he threw up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's say he's supposed to go in the sixth round. Matariza or Jalen Vertemeyer? I'm taking Matariza over a <laughs> over a tight end with an RA score of one. I'm not a I'm not an idiot. <laughs> okay, all right, good good to know. That's, so there's your there's your bar for Matariza, everybody. <laughs> tight end with the lowest RA score possible. If you have an RAS score of 1.2, then you will not be selected over Matariza. Oh, man. Like, to me, you know, we don't know when that workout happened. Obviously, that could have been three weeks ago. I don't, we don't really know. Um, But the Chargers are doing their homework. I think they worked out another punter as well. So I think they could certainly upgrade the position. Obviously, J.K. Scott is not fantastic. I think he's better than Ty Long, but he's not like great by any means. Um, it is what it is. We'll see. I, I strongly, strongly doubt they take a punter before the sixth round. Hope so. We had Maddie on the show, and she said sixth round was the time to take a punter. So I think that's definitive. Yeah. There we go. I accept that as a ruling. Yeah, it's fine with me. <laughs> Any final thoughts, Tyler? Uh, nope, no final thoughts from me. I hope the Chargers beat writers can figure out some of these top 30 visits because Right now, it's Chargers beat writers zero, Matty Schmidt one. Um, so if they could do a little bit better in that regard, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, Tyler, we got Tyler Dragon and Pro Football Network guys, you know, uh, giving us all the news about the Chargers. So, um, yeah, that'd be fun. I'm still laughing. I think the first time uh, we talked about Tyler Dragon on the show that Stephen wouldn't stop calling him Tyler the Dragon. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wait, is this a bit or is he actually calling him Ryan? I I thought I did think for a while that his like he was just giving himself like the nickname or something (laughs) like that. I didn't know that. Like I've never heard of the last name Dragon before. I thought he was just like you know Tyler the Creator, Tyler the Dragon. I thought that was kind of the. (laughs) Well, what am I, Stephen? 
I don't know. What what's your favorite animal, I guess? <laughs> oh, I I don't know. <laughs> I'm or- the podcaster. Yeah. Tyler the Orca. <laughs> Tyler the Orca. <laughs> all right. So um yeah. I think we're all a little bit uh burnt out from the draft energy and watching so many fil- uh draft press blocks on film, but uh we're gonna do our cornerback episode on thursday and then uh that will be officially two weeks out from the draft so um fun times ahead obviously and i uh, can't thank you guys enough for tuning in today uh as kapil mentioned chargers did meet with tight end amari rogers uh former quarterback so i know that's kind of why people were like conf- really confused about that one um but amari rogers they also met with greg dulcich the tight end from ucla i think that break broke out today if i'm not mistaken so Chargers continue to do their homework, which I think is obviously always important. So uh, that being said, that's going to do it for us today, guys. We'll see you on Thursday for our episode on corners. And then next week, we'll get into kind of our our final mock drafts and final draft primers. Should be uh, a whole lot of fun and uh, can't wait for that. So uh, we'll see you guys then.